by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. In World War II, there was a young lady named Cory Ten Boone. She lived in the Netherlands, and her father was a Dutch watchmaker. They had a little shop. Her and her sister Betsy helped in the shop. Pretty soon the Germans took over, controlled the region where she was living. And that was about the time that they started arresting the Jews, God's chosen people, and putting them in the concentration camps and so forth. And uh, People were panicking. And they, were, they needed to get out to survive. Uh, they weren't messing with the, with Corey's family, but Corey had compassion, and she began to hide Jewish people in her home to keep them away from the Nazis, sort of like an underground railroad, to to eventually smuggle them into a place where they could be free of the concentration camps and the the death that the Nazis had planned for them. She built a they built a little secret. The book is called The Hiding Place. They made a hiding place for the Jews. When the, somebody would knock on the door, they would go into the hiding place. And they kind of tried their best to hide as many people and save their lives as they could. Um, it's suggested that they saved over 800 lives in the time that they were doing this. And eventually somebody ratted on them. Some guy told told the Nazis, I believe something's going on in that house. And they, they had hidden the Jews. There were six Jews staying there. They hid them in the hiding place. And they didn't find them that day. But they arrested Corey and her sister Betsy and her father, took them down to the station and eventually charged them and threw them into prison. Corey, of course, was worried about the six that were hiding in the hiding place. But they soon sent her a letter that said, what did, what did the letter say? Oh, those watches that, that you sent to us are repaired now or something. Something, just a code, you know, that she knew that those six were saved. So they went to this prison, and it was awful. They treated them awful, shameful. Um, two young ladies faced things that they should never face. I think about ten days in, her dad died. They stayed there for a while, and then they were transferred to a place you may have heard of called Ravensbrück. It was a German concentration camp, kind of like a last stop before the gas chambers. The place was, was so filthy and below human dignity that the guards would not even come into the barracks where they stayed. There was just hay on the, the ground and in the the bunk beds or the racks where they would sleep. And the fleas were so bad that the guards wouldn't even come inside. Betsy and Corey were both Christians. And Betsy had, had smuggled a Bible 
into the place. And she told Corey, all things are working together for our good. Look, we can have a Bible study without the Nazis coming in and stopping us because they won't come in here because of the fleas. And so they did. Many people came to Christ. They stayed there in these terrible conditions. And they say that it was one week before all the girls, well, let me just say this, Betsy died because of the horrible conditions and the cold weather. They had to s no warmth to sleep in. If you got sick, you were basically a death sentence. Bet Betsy died. Corey was still alive. And one week before they were going to send all the, the girls in that concentration camp, her age group, to the gas chambers, through some paperwork miracle, she was released. And she came out, and the first thing she did was begin to save other people destined for concentration camps, mainly the mentally ill and the handicapped, which they were also killing. She lived a life. Uh, she went on to move to America. She spoke for, I think, 60 years on her, her story and told people how that they can endure, how they can believe, how they can trust God. And the thing that her sister told her, that all things are working together, even when we don't understand why they work like they do. So today we're going to speak on and begin a series on endurance. I don't think many of us understand what endurance is. I looked it up. It says continuing firm or resolute through trials and difficulties. Continuing firm and resolute through trials and difficulties. It doesn't just mean that you, hey, I made it. Well, you know, it doesn't mean sitting still and enduring like we think of. But it is, is remaining firm and having your heart steadfast on your end goal. Having your heart steadfast to do God's will for the Christian. Not just making it to the end, but overcoming in the end. The same who endures till the end shall be saved. Corey Ten Boone says, if God sends us strong paths, we are provided strong shoes. That's the good news. God has given us everything that we need for this journey. Some of you have been through things that I can't imagine, and you're still standing strong, and you're still coming, sitting on this purple pew, and you're still believing God, you're still worshiping God, you're still overcoming God has given you strong shoes. Say amen. amen. Do you have strong shoes? Amen. If God's given you a strong path, it's okay. Because God has given you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. God has given you strong shoes, my friend. I was thinking that life is not about so much about the beginning and the end. Those are important times, of course. But the struggle in between is where life, where the rubber meets the road. And I know I could get another amen out of you on that, right? And so endurance is the fuel that's going to get us to the end. Endurance brings us through the hard times, through the difficult space in between. Without endurance, you're going to fall away. If you won't let God build some endurance and some character in you through that endurance, you will fall away in hard times. 
James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Is that typically the way we think? Great! My washing machine just broke down. <laughs> Wonderful! <laughs> I'm just telling you, God thinks differently than us. You know why we're supposed to think different? Because we're supposed to see the big picture like God sees the big picture. If you're down here only seeing, pecking around like chickens in the dust, concerned with earthly things, then you won't see the big picture and you won't have an idea. To, you, won't, you won't even think that there could be joy in your situation. The things that you're going through are for a reason. And that's why Romans 8, 28 says all things work together for your good. God knows you're in hard times. God knows you're going through it. But he's preparing you for something bigger every time. So consider it an opportunity for great joy when, any, when all kinds of trouble come your way. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Say endurance. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. How many would like to be perfect and complete and needing nothing? Well, what's lacking? You got to let your endurance grow. That is the key to being perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Your endurance must be fully developed. And how does it get in developed unless it's not if unless it's tested? How do your muscles grow? They're tested. They're sent to the limits, but they come out stronger each time. If you're living one of those fantasy lives that you think, well, I'm just going to be comfortable the rest of my days and nothing's never going to happen to me and everything takes you by storm. Whoa, what just happened? I can't believe it. Then you're not going to endure. You're not going to see the big picture and you're not going to have that hope that anchors your soul to know that Jesus is allowing this to make you stronger. You say, I don't want to be strong. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. The real you does. The real you is an overcomer. Endurance is greatly to be desired. In sports. I mean, they run and run and lift and lift and cardio and stretching so they can endure. The same way with your faith. When your faith is tested and tested and tested, you're getting stronger and bigger on the inside, bigger and bigger on the inside. And I'm just going to say it. You will not reach God's calling for your life without endurance. You can have comfort or you can have your calling, but you can't have both. Like an eagle kicks her baby out the nest. It's time to fly, baby. <laughs> you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. And you're going to come out a champion. And I prophesy that over you right now. This series is really going to be 
should be entitled Adversaries to Our Endurance because that's what we're going to talk about, the things that are trying to keep us from enduring, the things that keep us from allowing God to test our faith and, and see the bigger picture. Number one, and we're just going to get through a few today. It's already 1130. First rule of preaching, never tell anybody what time it is. And I had no idea it was 11.30. Okay, so we might get through just this first one today, but there's next week. All right. Number one, settling. And I think that's the biggest one. Some of us are just in a, in a place in our life where if I can just hold on till he gets back. Not endure, but hold on. If I can just be here when he gets back. I can just make it till he gets back. Or you settle for the things of this world for comfort. You trade your comfort for your calling, sacrificing God's best for a more comfortable substitute. You remember when Esau had been out hunting all day and he was weary and hungry and came in and, and Jacob had a big bowl of red stew on the on the stove, and Esau said, give me some of that stew. And his brother Jacob, looking for an opportunity to gain something out of the situation, he said, well, I'll give you a bowl of stew if you'll give me your birthright, because Esau was the older brother. He had the birthright. That was something special to God, a special gift from God to the older brother. Well, Esau he said, what good is a birthright going to do me if I'm starving to death? He just thought with his belly. He thought with his natural flesh and just give me, give me, give me. And that's what their flesh will do. It'll settle. And he took that bowl of stew and he traded his birthright. And that's what many of us today are doing. Not in this room, but all around. We're trading. Our birthright is children of God, overcomers, men and women after God's own heart. We're trading that in for a bowl of stew, for a 401k idea, a retirement plan, or this or that, whatever it may be. Whatever, we're, we just want the comfort and not the call. Do you know when Jesus was tempted those three times in the wilderness by the devil, that's what he was after. He was trying to get Jesus to settle. Jesus, look, man, you're the son of God. Turn these stones into bread. You can, you can eat right now. You don't have to do all that religious stuff. You don't have to fast and pray and everything. You got the power, man. Use it. He took him up on a high mountain and says, just he took him up to the temple mount. He said, just jump off. You know, you can fly, man. He took him to the temple mountain, or to the high mountain. He said, all this I will give you. Look around. If you'll just bow down and serve me, you can have it now. You won't have to go through the cross. You won't have to carry the cross. You can have yours now. Just have it your way. But Jesus wouldn't settle, would he? 
and I'm not going to settle. Hebrews 10, verse 32 says, Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Now, he's talking to a church that's been through some stuff, okay? We think we've been through some stuff. This is a church that had been through some stuff. He says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. What? Everything I worked for, somebody else took it from me? And I'm going to count it all joy? Man, that's a different way of thinking. But he said, you remember, when, when you first learned about Christ, when that excitement was in your heart, when you first came to Jesus, you remember how excited you were to be forgiven, excited you were to, to have a home in heaven, excited that God knows your name and loves you and cares about you and has a plan for your life. Remember how excited you were. He's trying to stir up this church. You accepted it with joy when they took all your stuff. You were there you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. See, you've you got to get your thinking right. So do not throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance. Say patient endurance. Patient endurance is what you need now. You see, patience and endurance are often... Right there together in the Bible. Why is that? Because they're almost the same word. Patience is the ability to wait, you know. And endurance is the ability to, to bear the weight, I guess. It's a way to put it. He says, what you need now is patient endurance. You've already pledged your life to Jesus. You've already given him everything that you are. You've said that, man, Jesus, I'm willing to give up everything for you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't forget the reward that it will bring to you. Patient endurance is what you need now. You need to carry that feeling. You need to, you need to not let the fire burn out. You don't need to settle. So that you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. He's coming back. We don't know if he's coming before this sermon is over. But he's coming. Just a little while. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But the Lord would say, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Say patient endurance. What's the truth of the matter? The truth is God loves you. God loves you and he is not willing for you to settle for less than his very best. God wants his very best in your life. Don't settle for any less.
Let's go down to, let's see. Second thing we're going to talk about is a love that grows cold. Jesus spoke directly to the church in Ephesus on this. In Revelations 2, 2, he says, He said, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. So that's good. The church in Ephesus has patient endurance. Great. And they're doing hard work. Wow. I know you don't tolerate evil people. Great. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles and are not, and you've discovered that they're liars. Great. You're not easily deceived, are you? you got, you're doing the work. You're being patient. You're enduring. Great job. You, can, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Great. But I have this one complaint against you. And it's a big one. If you don't love me or each other as you did at first, You ever watched a relay race and people train and train to be in top physical peak condition? And they go around that track and they hand that baton off. And Can you imagine being the last leg of that race and you're giving everything you got, every, every fiber of your being you're putting into it, and you stretch out across that line and you hit that tape and you think, I've won the race. Everything I've worked for. All the years of training, exercise, and pushing myself beyond the limits, patient endurance to get to this moment. And you realize, I forgot to get the baton. And somebody else is given the crown. The love of God is your, is your baton. You can run and you can run and you can have patient endurance, but when you get to the end and you don't have any love, you're not carrying the baton. You have lost the race. Without love, we are nothing. Verse 5, Jesus says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. It says they were doing the works. It says they were impatient, but do them with love. Do it out of a heart of love for Jesus. Out of a heart for one another. Not Going through the motions, I got to work at church Sunday. I won't be, I got to be in the back. I got to work. No, you're getting to serve. You're getting to love on Jesus and on those kids. You're getting to. It's a privilege to love on Jesus through your service. So do the works that you did and how you did them at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. 
be no light in the church. You'll have a dead, dark church. Oh, everybody's serving out of guilt. Wrong motivation. Running hard. Making good decisions, recognizing stuff. But no love in our hearts. Love is a two-way street. If you, if you don't love God, you don't love each other. If you don't love God, you have no love to give anyone else. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. He gives us the love to love one another with. Have you fallen away? Have you, have you lost your first love? Do you need to stir yourself up today? You rem remember the joy of your salvation? Hebrews 6.11 says, the writer says, Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what we hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. You see how it all works together? Faith, hope, and love. Faith and endurance. These are all keys that we must focus on if we're going to get to the end of the race and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So, Last week, I made an off-the-cuff statement, which I often have, is he who endures to the end shall be saved, right? And I said, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm not sure what that means. You figure it out. I've had something, you know, like that. And I said, well, that's kind of hard. What does it mean? What does it mean, he who endures to the end? Does it mean we lose our salvation? I've always been of the understanding that, you know, everlasting life is everlasting. And that's been the way I thought about it. But if we don't endure, could we lose our salvation? That's, some people say that's one possibility, what he meant. But you know what, it, in context with what he was saying, they were asking him about the end times. And he was talking about the tribulations that were to come on the earth. He was talking about the seven years of tribulation under the Antichrist and so forth like that. And maybe a better translation of that word, who endures to the end shall be saved, maybe is who endures to the end shall be delivered from the wrath of God that is to come upon those who have rejected him. How many of you want to be delivered from, from God's wrath? Revelations 3, verse 10 says, Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from that great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on 
to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. There's much to say about endurance, and we'll get to some more next week. These are things that are coming to take away your crown. Adversaries to your ability to endure to the end and receive your crown. Adversaries for your ability to endure so that you can be snatched away when the wrath of God is poured out upon this earth. For you are not appointed to wrath. Orrin Woodward said, do you have the talent? That's rarely the question. Do you have the guts to finish is the real question. Jesus was able to say, it is finished. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.